Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Well, hello and welcome uh, to this podcast. My name is Parker McGoldrick, one of the pastors here, sitting in my basement, talking to a microphone for you. Um, as promised, here is the Study Notes podcast. On Sunday, uh, this last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. We celebrated the resurrection. I talked about the resurrection because that's what you do. It was actually funny. One of uh, somebody who comes to AGC came up to me and was like, hey, so like, you know, what are you deciding to preach on today? And I started to answer because in my mind, I was like, well, I don't want to be rude. Like it, in my, my first thought was like, oh, is that a joke? And then my second thought was like, it's not a joke because he said it so like seriously. My third thought was, well, oh, I don't want to be rude and like demeaning. So I'm just going to like answer him like very nicely. And so I started to say, I was like, oh, we're, you know, we're jumping to the end of Matthew and we're going to talk about the resurrection. And he just started cracking up because it was a joke. And I was right the first time, but it was funny because he got me and that was it. So I don't know why I said that story, but there now you have a story to laugh at. Um, we, I mentioned two or three texts. I say two or three because I really mentioned two in the sermon, uh, but we're going to talk about three here in the old Testament. Um, because as I was doing, here's, here's the thing. When you, when we're going through a book of the Bible, it's so much easier to know what to talk about. And whenever we do like Advent or, you know, Easter or Lent, I guess Lenten season and Easter season, it's a little bit, I mean, it's easy because it's like, okay, well, we're talking, we're preaching on events, but it's a little bit more difficult because I really like to continue on a flow of a sermon series. I like to go through the narrative. I like to remind, like recall and like, hey, remember this? We talked about that, blah, 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 all that stuff. But with, it was just kind of like we were very abrupt in switching to, you know, Easter. We stayed in Matthew, which was really nice and really helpful, but it was kind of like, we kind of like ripped ourselves out of the Sermon on the Mount, fast forwarded to Matthew and then uh, to the end of Matthew and then uh, talked about resurrection. So anyway, all that to say is as I was studying for the sermon, I also realized that there's just a rich theology of resurrection, which I'll explain that phrase in a second. There's a theology of resurrection that starts way before Jesus. Theology is, you know, the study of, of God, the study of the word. Uh, and then resurrection is, and what we like to do is we like to do a lot of biblical theology. So it's tracing a theme through the Bible. It's not systematic theology. I think personally, systematic theology is not helpful. I think it's helpful at, in some cases, but I think biblical theology is what people actually like really like, and it's rich and it's all this stuff. And a biblical theology would be tracing like a theme throughout the scriptures. Um, and so as I was preparing for this resurrection sermon, I was like, man, there's so much in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, on resurrection, I feel like I'm not doing Matthew 28 service by just jumping in. It's like, it would be, it'd be like watching the last Star Wars instead of all the others. Like, you can get it, like, okay, yeah, Luke's mad at his dad, you know, uh, Darth Vader, and there's a battle, and I'm sure it was really important, I'm sure the prequels are really important, but I get the gist of it. It's like, yeah, I mean, sure, good guys win. Sure. Jesus raises from the dead, but also like if that's just, it can't, there's more to it. 
So you're actually robbing yourself of an opportunity here to uh, enjoy the resurrection um, as much. Anyway, I'm already four minutes in. Jeez Louise. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about three passages. Genesis 2, Ezekiel 37, Daniel 12. And here's the goal. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. The goal is this. What is resurrection in the Old Testament? So what is resurrection in the Old Testament? First and foremost, resurrection is the hope of salvation. Um, in order to do any biblical theology, you always have to start at the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 7. Then Yahweh God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Um, to dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Um, the, the Yahweh God formed man from the dust of the ground, and out of the. So, so think think about this picture. There's ground, and Yahweh God took the ground and like molded it, almost like clay. Like think of like mud and clay, and how you can mold it. That's what God did to man. It just says. The Lord God formed, that's the same word used to like form, you know, pottery and things like that. The man out of the dust from the ground. So pause right there. You have now a like kind of like a corpse, like a lifeless kind of muddy corpse. And then what happened? And then breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. So here you have God, Yahweh God, who breathed the breath of life the word in hebrew for breathe is also the same word as the word for spirit or the word for wind which will be really significant when we get to ezekiel 37 um so so we have this spirit of god this wind of god this breath of god entering into this man and then it says and the man became a living being now this is pre-death but what's the What's the opposite of life? The opposite of life is just no life, right? Now that can be death and that can be pre-death as well. So here in in, in, um, in the very first pages, this is before death, this is before sin. Yet what do we have? We have something that was not alive and then God breathing into it and then it becoming alive. Okay, that's the, that's the pattern. Something that's not alive, God breathing into it, it becomes alive. And then what's the rest of Genesis 2? It's God with his people in his place. That's the definition of heaven. God is with his people in his place. So heaven is God's space and human space overlapping all at once. Like God's rule and reign is, it, there's no contention. God is in charge. God is there. God is present. And it's life and life abundant. That's what um, Jesus says about that life in God or in heaven. And so heaven, again, we've just been saying it. I just want to harp on it again. It is not some disembodied state. It is not just a spiritual experience that you go to. The Bible does not talk hardly at all about what happens after you die. What it does talk about is what happens after you've come back from the dead, i.e. resurrection. So this Genesis 2 is the, is the picture of what life is like. And, and what does God do? God says, hey, male, female, go for it. Adam and Eve, go for it. Name the animals, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule, make art, make sport, make play, go for it. If I could summarize Genesis 1 and 2 together, I would say God loves you and he wants you to co-rule with him forever. I was actually just reading this um, article on parenting and it talked about how parents... Uh, the, the American uh, ideal is that parents raise their children to be successful in America, to get a good 
education to get a good job to get a good whatever and and she was basically saying she's like yes that's that's good and you know you know a worthy uh desire but also more the desire that needs to be above that is you need to be raising your kids with this idea of co-ruling with god forever because if you're a christian if you're a disciple that's your destiny you get a co-rule with god you get a Genesis 1 and 2, you get to enjoy life, life abundant with God in his place. It's not, if, one, one scholar said, if you don't like spending time with God now, what makes you think you're going to like spending time with God in eternity, right? And I just think that's super good, super convicting, but super good too. Like, like wh- why do we think that heaven, we're just going to all of a sudden love heaven if, if we don't even love spending time with God right now? Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, life in Genesis two is just that God taking what was not alive, breathing into it and it then becoming alive, specifically male and female. Now keep those words in your mind and either turn to, or just allow me to turn to read it. Do, uh, uh, Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37, little context. Uh, Israel is done for, they are in exile and it's bad. Um, they are destroyed they're gone and they have no hope. And they literally say, we are dead. We're dead. God has left us. Uh, Ezekiel sees this vision of the Lord leaving the temple and going to Babylon. Oh, that is just, that's crazy. Um, and, and so Ezekiel is just like in this moment of despair, everything's going wrong, wrong. People are saying, God, where are you? I had a plan in my life. I thought this is the plan. It's gone. And um, the spirit of the Lord takes Ezekiel up in this vision and shows him this famous valley of dry bones. And a few things about this. Uh, Actually, I'm just going to kind of read and talk through it. The hand of the Lord is on me. This is Ezekiel talking uh, in Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit, set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. Okay, so you're there. You're in a valley, you see bones, but you don't just see them. Now the Spirit of God is like taking you to and fro in all of these bones. He says this, There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. There's not a lot of exaggeration, or sorry, details in the in the Hebrew Bible. So whenever there are, it's super important. There's a great many of them, or many, many, many of them, and they were very dry. In other words, they're on the surface. The sun is beating down on them. There's no life in them at all. There's not even like that um, stuff inside the bones. I'm showing my cards here how little I know about anatomy. But there, there's nothing. They're very, very dry bones. Super, super dead. And then uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord says to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord Yahweh, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Interesting. Okay, what do we have here? We have a picture of a bunch of bones, i.e. lifeless corpses. They really aren't corpses. They're just the leftover of corpses. And what does the spirit say Ezekiel is going to do? I will cause my breath to enter you and you will live. So you have something that is not alive. Yahweh God saying he is going to breathe into it and it becoming alive. Then he keeps going. I'll put tendons on you. I'll make flesh grow over you. I'll put skin on you. And so Ezekiel prophesies. He does it. But then there's, then there, oh, it says this. As as I looked, tendons appeared on them. Verse eight, uh, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
so there's like two prophecies here. The first one, he prophesied, but then the bones came together and they rattled and then they became bodies. And then verse nine, he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say, this is what Yahweh says, come from the four winds and breathe on these slain so that they may live. So now we literally have corpses, dead corpses. And Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy to the breath or wind or spirit of God. And the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God will enter these corpses and bring them to life. And then it talks about how this is Israel. And he says, I will put, in verse 14, Yahweh says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And you will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Who's he talking to? A exiled, destroyed Israel who have no hope and family members have been died, have been killed. Um, they've been separated from their home. They're in a strange land with a language they don't speak and they have no hope. And what God is saying, what Yahweh is saying is, I am going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to open up your graves and bring you out from among the dead and you will live. We have something that was not alive. Yahweh God bringing his spirit, God bringing his breath into these corpses and then becoming alive. What is resurrection if not the hope of salvation? Again, nothing talks about what happened to these souls as they kind of departed from the hope of Ezekiel 37 is that God knows his people. He calls his people. He takes what was not alive, i.e. dead. He breathes life into it. And it becomes alive, just like Genesis 2, just like Ezekiel 37, and just like, next stop, Daniel 12. <clears throat> Daniel 12. Um, okay, we don't have time to get into the context, but I'll just give you a couple of verses here. Many, this is Daniel 12, verse um, 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. There will be distress, but at that time, all the people who are found written in the book will escape. And then verse two, this is the most important thing. We're not going to get into that verse that I just read, but verse two, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Okay, pause. Genesis two, from what did Lord God, Yahweh God form man from the dust of the earth? Interesting. So many who are asleep in the dust of the earth will awake. What does it mean to be asleep in the dust of the earth? What it means is that you are dead. <laughs> to, uh, from dust you are and to dust you shall return. You're dead. You have lived your life and now you are six feet under. Uh, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. So many of these people will awake. And then it says this, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Those who have insight will shine like the heavens. Then it ends, uh, Daniel chapter 12 ends uh, in verse 13. It says, you will rest. But as for you, go on your way uh, to the end. This is now talking to, to Daniel. You will rest and then you will rise. What does rest mean? It means die. You will die, but then you will not stay dead. Guys, what is resurrection? It's the hope of salvation. What is the hope of salvation? God taking something that was dead, breathing life into it, and it becoming not dead anymore. I hope this is I hope this is baffling to you because I I I really think that and this isn't a sermon. I don't know how many people are listening to this, so I can start talking now. Um, rather ask for forgiveness than permission. I really think that there's a danger 
and preaching the gospel as when I die, my soul gets to depart from my body and go to heaven. I think there's a danger in that because why? Because it only focuses on the gospel. The gospel only becomes effective when you die and it's not good news and effective right now. In other words, there's this mentality that, well, because I believe in Jesus or because I just mentally give a mental nod to Jesus and like, yeah, he was a person and rose from the dead. And so because of that, I get to go to heaven when I die. That is not the hope of the gospel. That's not the hope of the resurrection. What is resurrection? It's the hope of salvation. If you believe that the gospel is simply when you die, your soul gets to depart and go to heaven, then it has no bearing on your life right now. It doesn't. It does not. Because, because we say stuff like, well, I can't earn my way into heaven. And yeah, that is 100% true. But also, it's not earning your way into heaven. It's heaven entering you and us releasing our control, us opening our hands. If you could see me right now, I'm, I'm doing the hand motion I always do, which is just like my hands are in fists and then I open them. That's repentance, by the way. That's what we've been talking about all throughout Matthew is repentance is just letting go. So when you let go and you are filled with resurrection life and you allow your dead body, this is what Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, you were like living, but you weren't really living. You were like a zombie where you're like kind of walking around and you're seeing the world a certain way, but you're actually dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, this is why it's such a powerful passage because if you release, you repent, you open up, then what? The Holy Spirit enters you, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the wind of God, just like Genesis 2, just like Ezekiel 37, just like Daniel 12. And now you are a new person. And guys, you can't say that enough. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. You are created as you were intended to be created. You are now the Genesis 1 and 2 person. You are now the Revelation 22 person. 20 to what how yeah 22 something like that you are that person right here right now and it's it's way more than inspiring it's empowering it's emboldening it's not like prideful empowering like oh yeah look at me i'm great no 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 you were dead like a dead man has no pride in being alive because you're dead you were dead in your trespasses and sins but god and so when you look at resurrection in genesis 2 which i know it's not like they died before and then they came back to life but there was no life there then the Lord breathed into them in his spirit, and they came to life. In Ezekiel 37, what is the hope of salvation? The hope that Jesus or that God, Yahweh God, doesn't leave his people is the resurrection. They can look at the resurrection and say, I know that God will redeem me. I know that God will raise me from the dead. Daniel 12, same thing. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, he does it first to show us that God is true to his word. God said he was going to raise people from the dead and that if you if you are with him and in him and his spirit is in you, then even though you die, you will never die. And what happened? Jesus showed us God's not lying because I, I died and God raised him. God raised Jesus from the dead. God, the father raised Jesus from the dead. Love, the love of God, the faithfulness of God overcomes death. So I'm kind of practical at heart here. So what is that? So, so now what? Well, a few things. Uh, one, we become people of hope. And two, our identity is different. One, we become people of hope. We are the only people with hope because we know we can look death in the eye and not be scared. If you're in Christ, if you have resurrection power, if the Spirit of God lives in you, you have no fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. What does that mean? It doesn't mean like if you love more, you cast out fear. No, it means perfect love casts out fear. What's perfect love? I.e., Jesus' death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection is perfect love, and that casts out fear. 
we are the only ones who can actually have hope in this world. We can look death in the eye. We can look destruction in the eye. We can look darkness in the eye. We can be in what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul and not be without hope. Does that mean it's happy-go-lucky and it's grin it and bear it? No, not at all. Have you read the Psalms? Read the Psalms and figure out what hope amidst death, amidst not being afraid of death, really is. So one, we're people of hope. Two, our identity is different. I am less and less fond of the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, because that is not biblical. Find it in the Bible, and I'll give you $100. When you are a new creation, your identity is different, period. You're not a sinner. Your core identity is not a sinner saved by grace. The reason I'm not fond of that phrase is because the core identity of the person is a sinner. You were a sinner. You were, in fact, you were worse than that. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now God has made you alive. You are now holy and beloved. You are now chosen. You are now a child. You are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And I know we get this whole like false humility of like, well, you know, I got to be careful because I don't want that to get to my head. You know, did it get to Paul's head? Did it get to any Christian in the last 2,000 years head? It is so empowering and it offers us a way of life, a way of hope, a way of living in the kingdom of heaven when we don't see like, oh, woe is me. I'm just a sinner. Actually, Jen Wilkin calls this um, celebratory failureism. I know, kind of a loaded tongue twister. Celebratory failureism where she says like it, there's this idea that if you celebrate all your failures so much, you're a good Christian. She's like, but that's not biblical. That's not what Jesus says. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So you can't live in your flesh anymore. You can't live in your sin anymore. You don't have fruits of the flesh anymore. You have rather the fruits of the spirit. So all that to say, why is resurrection important? Well, resurrection, I mean, the three passages, three big passages in the Old Testament, Genesis 2, Ezekiel 37, Daniel 12, and then what is the point of all of this? Why is it the hope of salvation? Because it gives us hope. We are not a people without hope. We are people who hope. And it gives us a new identity. So I hope you can live and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower the people who are listening to this right now. You would live in them. You would breathe life on them and you would guide them. And I uh, hope this has been a helpful podcast. Sorry, it is a little bit longer than I thought, but that's okay. Peace. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.